Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We're continuing our series called Blessed Are the Weird. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. 1965, a song was released. It was a hit song released by a British band. Uh, it actually uh, sat on top of the Billboard charts for, uh, for multiple weeks. Uh, it was a song that really wasn't complicated or, frankly, all that profound, um, but it, it, it spoke. It was, it, well, it was a song that actually it not only sat on top of the Billboard charts in 1965. In 2006, uh, our, our Congress, the U.S. Congress, made the decision to take this song and, and put it into the Library of Congress. It was a song of that, that much value that was written and sung by the Rolling Stones, it's a song of unmet and unfulfilled longings and desires. A lot of you already know the song. The, song, the song's title is in your head, and that, that, that tune now is going to be stuck in your head for, for hours. I apologize. Um, it's a song that was called I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Three simple guitar chords, but somehow it just rose to the top of the Billboard charts, and it, it was one of people's favorite songs. And, and why would it, would it, a simple song like that, that's about relational frustration and about disappointment with the acquisition and the accumulation of material things, why would that be a number one hit song? Why would our Congress put it into the Library of Congress? Because it speaks so clearly to the human condition. Many, many, many people hearing the song sung by Mick Jagger and, and you know, the, the, the song that put Jagger and Keith Richards on the map, so to speak, in the music world. Uh, this song captured the human condition of a chasing after satisfaction and fulfillment and contentment. And yet satisfaction unfulfilled. It doesn't matter how much was accumulated. It doesn't matter how much stuff people had. It didn't matter how much money you had or, or where you lived. People could not get no satisfaction. And that song articulated their desperation. And again, it doesn't matter how much stuff you have or how rich you are. I mean, consider the words of a, a well-known actor who's being interviewed by a magazine that was named after the Rolling Stones, Rolling Stone magazine, doing an interview with actor Brad Pitt, asking a question which then Pitt sort of turns the conversation a completely different direction than what was expected. Pitt says these words, man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us. The car, the condo, our version of success. But if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence, more isolation, more desperation, and loneliness. If you ask me, I say toss all this. We gotta find something else. Because all I know is that at this point in time, we are heading for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being. I don't want that. The interviewer from Rolling Stone magazine then asked this question. So if we're headed toward this kind of existential dead end in society, what do you think should happen? Pitt responds, hey man, I don't have those answers yet. The emphasis now is on success and on personal gain. I'm sitting in it and I'm telling you this is not it. I'm the guy who's got everything. 
I know. But I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better, and you don't wake up any better because of it. And what Brad Pitt, what his soul is singing is, I can't get no satisfaction. If you're wealthy and you've got everything at your fingertips like, like a Brad Pitt does, and he can't find satisfaction... Is there any hope for anyone to find satisfaction? Where in the world can, can you truly find fulfillment and meaning? Where, is there sat, where can the longings, that, that, that the, the unmet longings of our souls be met? Where can the desires that sort of bubble up from our hearts, where can they be satisfied? How do I find some satisfaction? Well, travel back. Travel back in the centuries and listen to a rabbi named Jesus as he's giving what is now called his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's giving the introduction to his sermon. This introduction is called the Beatitudes. In our series here, we're calling it Blessed Are the Weird because it's a very different outlook on how life should be lived. Jesus, if you remember, we began this series, Jesus is speaking to a people who have been preached at, who have been taught a certain religious ideology by the, by the establishment of the day. The Pharisees are, have been teaching that there is a certain kind of individual that is pleasing to God. There's a certain kind of people that God's face turns towards and called, calls blessed. And those people are Jewish They're male, they're healthy, and they're wealthy, and they obey the law. So if you're a healthy, wealthy, Jewish male who obeys the law, you're on the inside of the circle of blessing, and everyone else is on the outside looking in. So if you're a female, you're not living, you can't live a life, a blessed life. If you're not from Israel, if you're not a Jew, if you're a Gentile, that blessing is not for you. If you're not wealthy, if you don't have prosperity, that's God's judgment on you. In fact, if you have a disease, that is God's judgment on you for your sin or for your parents' sin in their life that's now fallen on you. This is the religious thinking and preaching of the day and Jesus is opening up his sermon. He's about to preach these words and he's going to turn everything on his head because what he says is this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who, if you remember in in that beatitude, blessed are those who know that their problems are beyond themselves. Blessed are those who who are poor in spirit Theirs is the kingdom. Those who don't embrace the do-it-yourself approach to life. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What he's saying there is, and blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, who see their true condition before a holy God. And that gives birth to an emotion of their, their deficiency. And they mourn this. And God says, I will comfort. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Rod talked about this last week. Blessed are the defenseless. Blessed are those who don't have the power to retaliate when injustice comes their way. Blessed are those who who choose not to be defensive, who choose not to power up in order to inherit, but actually power down. And who know that there is an inheritance for them. 
that they don't have to fight for. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed, blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, Jesus has a lot to say about the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom. What Jesus has just done in the the foreword to the sermon, in the introduction to the sermon, is turned everything on his head because now blessing the blessed life, the people that God is happy with, is not just to select this, this, this few who are blessed by God, the healthy, wealthy Jewish male who obeys the rules. No, blessing God's favor. God's face turns towards the person who's broken in spirit. His, 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 his face turns towards the one who mourns, to the defenseless. And every, the Beatitudes is an invitation that all might know that God's blessing is for you too. We refer to this as the good news. It's the gospel. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the Beatitudes are an invitation in, a, in, a, in that it's an invitation, but it's also a picture. It's a picture of what the converted life looks like. It's not a list of do's and don'ts, the things I gotta get better at. It's an invitation and a description of what the converted life looks like. And to a people who can't get no satisfaction in this beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus is saying, here's how you can find true fulfillment. Here's how you can find satisfaction. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They will be satisfied. In the time I got left, I'm just going to answer three questions. Here's the questions. I'm going to put them on the screen. What is righteousness? Important question to answer so that we make sure we understand what he's talking about. What does it mean to hunger and thirst? That one we won't spend a ton of time on because we got that one down. Third one, how do I get some satisfaction? To a world that's singing, I can't get no satisfaction, how do we find satisfaction? How does someone find the satisfaction that Jesus is offering? So let's just start with the first question. What is righteousness? In your own mind, try and answer that question for a moment. What is righteousness? I, I think sometimes we, we think of righteousness, we think of, of choosing right over wrong. A temptation comes your way and you don't fall into temptation. You, you, you choose holiness. Um, it, it could be fidelity in a marriage or a relationship. It, uh, righteousness is loving your enemies, being compassionate, bearing with one another. Those, that, those are all righteous acts. But in, in fact, what they are is the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness in and of itself is, isn't about the deeds. What the, what the blessing that Jesus is talking about here is not blessed are those who want to do good things. What he's getting at here is really to the root system of all the fruit of righteousness. He's talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for rightness. Let me explain. I'm an eighth grader 
In my boarding school uh, in Penang, Malaysia, there's, uh, it's a small school, 120 kids or so in the years uh, that I was there. Uh, high school choir is looking for some more male voices. They're short on male voices. So the, the invitation is extended to the eighth grade boys. I was an eighth grade boy. Invitation, invitation is extended to audition to be part of the choir. Now, we wanted to be part of the choir because they had these cool uniforms they wore and they got to travel around, they got perks, and, and this was a great opportunity that was being extended to us. And so uh, most of the eighth grade boys uh, auditioned. I auditioned with, with a lot of my friends. We auditioned one day and then we came back the next day to find out if, if we made it, if we, if we measured up, if we, if we made the cut, so to speak. And my friend Max, Eric Maxey, he went in, came out, he, they, they chose him. I went in, and the choir director talked to me, and she told me that, um, that I was not chosen. I didn't, I didn't measure up. And she said, at that time, it was mysterious words to me. Um, we want you to re-audition when you're in high school, but right now your voice is changing, and when your voice is done changing, we want you to, to audition again. I didn't know what she was talking about in voices changing, and I had no idea when they stopped changing. All I knew based on the emotion that was in my gut, as I didn't have what it took. I didn't measure up. They didn't choose me. I wasn't the right voice. That's the rightness that Jesus is getting at here. It's about being accepted. It's about being received. It's about someone choosing you and wanting you for their choir. You've been here. You've been at the audition where you tried out for the part and you wondered if they were going to choose you. You've been at the job interview where you put your resume on the table and you hoped that they would call you back so you could work at that place of employment. You've been there where you've applied for that degree program because you've got to have that degree to get to the job, the occupation that you're hoping to get. We've all been there. And what all those things have in common is, well, it's even asking someone on a date or hoping they'll ask you out. And all those things, what they have in common is stress and anxiety. Will they choose me? Will they say yes? Am I the right person? Friends, that is the righteousness that Jesus is speaking about in this beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for rightness. What he's speaking about here is blessed are those who, who, who want their relationship with the Father right. That's the righteousness that Jesus is getting at here. So what does it mean to hunger and thirst? Righteousness is right relationship. It's to be right with God. Hunger and thirst, uh, this, this, this is simply put this way. You only hunger and thirst for those things you do not have. Right? Some of you right now are daydreaming about a hamburger. A hot dog. I don't know what you're dreaming about. But you, your body is saying to you, there's something I don't have. It's called food, and I need it. We only hunger for what we do not have. We thirst for what we don't have. Your throat is parched. Your mouth is dry. You want a drink. You hunger and thirst for what you do not have. Years ago, a missionary was coming through churches in the Pacific Northwest. I was in a church in Hood River. I was working in business, and uh, this missionary named Ann Grinnell was coming from Irian Jaya, a place where in the 50s and 60s it was just full of tribes who were cannibalistic. This, she brought a young, uh, young guy from a tribe, uh, the Donny tribe, with her on this trip. He was in a, leadership, a ministry leadership pr- training program. He was speaking at churches with Ann, sort of this, the fruit of, of the gospel 
uh, right before our eyes. A friend of mine named Tim and I had breakfast with this young man the next day. He was soon to go back to Erie and Jaya, and we posed the question to him. When you go back to Erion in two weeks, what will you miss the most from the U.S.? His response was quick. I will miss never being hungry. There's restaurants everywhere here. Every meeting I go to, there's food. I'll miss never being hungry because when I go back, I know there will not be an abundance of food. You only hunger and thirst for the things you do not have. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those God's face turns towards the person who understands, who has a hunger and a thirst because they know they do not possess rightness with God. Are you catching the Beatitudes here? The first four are really all about emptiness. Understanding our emptiness. This one is the turning point because when we get moving forward, now it's going to be about fullness. But at this pivotal point, blessed are those who realize that they are not right with God. Which leads us to our third question. Jesus says, they shall be filled, but then how do I get that filling? How do I get true satisfaction? In a world that's singing, I can't get no satisfaction. How do I get the blessing of satisfaction and filling that's only available in Christ? Jesus is standing up on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee and saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. How do I get some of that satisfaction? And it's really very simple. You just have to admit. You have to admit that you don't personally possess the righteousness to make you right. You have, to, you have to admit, you have to understand that you are a rebel fighting against God, that God is angry with our sin, with us. Now, some of you are already thinking, whoa, wait, wait a minute, Steve. Now you're putting this guilt trip on me. And isn't that sort of the old-fashioned idea of who God is, the angry God, sinners in the hand of an angry God, preached by Jonathan Edwards? Isn't that sort of an an old-fashioned idea? I thought God is love. You've already prayed in the service that he's our dad and and how much he loves us. I thought he's love. How could God be angry? Friends, the opposite of love is not anger. The opposite of love is indifference, which is the final form of hate. He is angry because he loves. And what God is getting at here, he's getting to anyone who would admit that they've lived a rebellious life and that the relationship is not right with the Father, there is blessing for anyone who desires that right relationship. You see where Jesus is going. That's when true satisfaction kicks in. Because what happens, we have to understand the bad news before we can receive the good news. Some of you understand this very well. You have a family member who's suffering with an addiction. Maybe you know a friend who has an addiction. And if you have a friend like that, or someone who's struggling like that, you see them choosing, making decisions that are just destroying who they are. And because of your great love for them, you want to grab them by the shoulders and just shake them. Because you see, you see they're destroying themselves, they're destroying their family. And because you love them, you just, 
You want them to choose life. E.H. Gifford captures this so well. This is what Gifford says. The more a man loves his son, the more the man hates in his son the liar, the drunkard, and the traitor. God is angry not because he doesn't love. He's angry because he does love. And any person who has that sense that that relationship with God is not right, Jesus would say to you, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be satisfied. You will be satisfied because your God is coming to you, to me, to us, and saying, look, you do not possess the righteousness that you need to make that relationship right. You can't perform well enough. There's no performance on your part that will ever make that relationship right, but there is a performance. There is an act. There was a day when Jesus Christ went to the cross and shouted, it is finished. The performance, the sacrifice is done. John Stott, Bible teacher, pastor, theologian, captures what happened on the cross very well. He says, if the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, then the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be filled. And here's where it gets better. You see, when you understand that, that, that you're a rebel and that, and that your relationship with the Father is separated and then you receive that free gift of salvation, your identity crisis is over. You don't chase the money. You, don't, you, you know you won't find satisfaction in the accumulation and the acquisition of stuff because your identity is in a relationship. So what happens is you go to that job interview and you put that resume on the paper. You, you go and you ask that person out on a date. You apply for that degree program. And even if you're told no, while the disappointment still rises, it, it, it's, it's not about your identity anymore in those things that you're trying to accomplish or those people that you're trying to be with. Because your identity is in Christ. You're his beloved. And while those things are disappointments, you're still in a satisfied relationship, a relationship with God Almighty that's fulfilled. In fact, the unfulfilled desires that we feel in this world are actually pointing to something else. C.S. Lewis captures this well. This is what Lewis says. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's you. That's me. That's us. And when we try to fulfill that, that longing within us for fulfillment and meaning and in the things of this world, we can't get no satisfaction. Oh, but there's a Christ. There's a Christ who offers fulfillment, who offers meaning, meaning who offers a filling, who offers satisfaction. And it gets even better because when Jesus Christ goes to the cross and he hangs on that cross, you see, when you go to work and you perform, you get a report every day that tells you how you're doing. Or if you try out for that part and you get chosen or you get, you get, you get the shot at the choir, the nagging feeling is I got to keep performing so that, I, that they still accept me. Here's the beauty of the cross. Jesus Christ has seen you. He's seen us at our worst. 
He's seen you at your very worst. He sees it all. He sees all the yucky stuff. He knows all the decisions that were just horrible decisions. He sees it all, but he says, I choose you. This is good news. This is the gospel. That a God who sees us at our worst would say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, rightness, for they will be filled. Their soul stomach will be satisfied. No longer will they chase dead ends. They'll live a life chasing God who gave it all for them. So what do we do with this? Well, the most practical application of this is for anyone in the room who is not right in their relationship with Father God. Do you hunger for that relationship to be made right? And if so, it's just admitting that you don't have what it takes to make it right. But there is a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, who has done that for you. And it's simply asking him to be your forgiver and your leader. It's receiving the sin penalty that he paid for you as your own and beginning that friendship with God. Uh, around here, one of the ways we do that is we, we have this cross over here. It's got white ribbons on it. And those, those are names of people this year who have, who have done that very thing, who have admitted that they were rebels. And perhaps for you today, your response is to come to the cross, even as we wrap up our service by, by worshiping and singing. Come to the cross and write your name on a ribbon and put it on that cross and say, God, today I'm admitting that I'm a rebel and today I want to become a son. Today I want to become a daughter. Do you, do you hear that's what he's offered you? To rebels to become sons and daughters. For those of us who have already done that, the response is simply worship, to a God who would go to such great lengths to provide blessing for me. And then perhaps some own reflection. Perhaps you started out knowing that it was his righteousness that made this relationship right. And maybe you fall into patterns of trying to perform for your own significance, to try and get God to like you more. Friends, he already loves you. Take that burden off your shoulders. He's pleased with you. What we do is just worship. It's a response. But maybe you've embraced that burden. It's a heavy burden. It's a religious burden of trying to please God with good works. The only work that pleased God is the cross. And you're following him because of the gift of salvation that's been given to you. So, I want to pray for us. And as the team comes out and leads us in worship, maybe it's coming to the cross, maybe it's just a, uh, you entering into worship. Um, whatever, the, whatever the response, whatever Holy Spirit is already prompting you to do, just follow through. You stand, I want to pray for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have made it possible for us to be in a place of blessing. You've made it possible, Lord, for the longing of our soul to be satisfied. Forgive us for trying to fill our souls with stuff. 
Forgive us, Lord, for trying to meet that longing with experiences and purchases. It's not that they're evil in and of themselves, but when they're a substitute for you, oh Lord, deprives us of the true gift that's found in you, Jesus. So today we just say to you, thank you for the blessing you offer to us. Thank you that rightness with the Father is made possible through you, Jesus. Now, fill us. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.